Today on Locked On Canadians, the Jeff Petrie trade is finally upon us. What does this mean for the Canadians and how exactly should we see that return? Rem Pitlick is signed. Some deaf players in Laval are signed as well. We're going to talk about all of that and more on today's Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 659 of Locked On Canadians. We're going to talk about the Jeff Petrie trade today, and we're going to talk about so much more, including what the latest is or what the latest rumblings are on Pierre-Luc Dubois. All that's coming up in just one moment. But first, we need to thank our sponsor, Bet Online, for bringing you this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. My name is Laura Sab. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. And we've got so much to talk about today. Scott, Jeff Petrie, and Ryan Paling have been traded to Pittsburgh for a fourth round pick and the husband of Emily Matheson, uh, Mike Matheson, um, not a Canadian Olympic him- Olympian himself, uh, gold medalist himself. But you know what? Um, what is this return? I think at first glance, everybody was a little bit disappointed. But now, the, you know, the dust is settling. Scott, how do we feel about Jeff Petrie being gone and the return? My, my first thought is I'm I'm sad. I'm still going to be bummed about this. And that's not Mike Matheson's fault. And I'll get to him in a moment. But Petrie is someone that I went to bat for on this show, at Eyes on the Prize, on Twitter a lot. Basically, since he got to Montreal, where he came in was, you know, a second, third pairing kind of guy. He found a lot of good synergy with Andre Markov. And then he had to carry a lot of burden with Shea Weber out injured so often and recovering and had to do so last year without his regular defensive partner. Joel Edmondson missed most of the season. Petrie himself had injuries, was playing through God only knows what. And I think it's fair that people are going to miss him. He's a 40-point defenseman in an even a rough season. And I don't think he's as bad as he showed last year. And I think Pittsburgh got a really fun piece for their last uh, their last yeehaw, basically, of this core. And adding Jeff Petrie to that is a huge win for them. I, I look at Mike Matheson and Nathan at Eyes on the Prize, thankfully, kind of helped set my mind at ease a little bit on this. Matheson is signed longer, yes. Cheaper, yes. And he's on the upswing trajectory of his career. He had a real rough go in Florida, and then Dale Talon, for whatever reason, decided he was worth an eight-year contract at that time. And then he was shipped out the door. But once he found his niche in Pittsburgh, Mike Matheson plays with speed, likes to carry the puck as well. Had a career season last year, 11 goals, and I think 20 assists is what I read for that. Very good at holding the blue line, not letting people cross that. And I think that's an area where Montreal struggled a lot last year as they gave the line too easily. I Kent Hughes is staking a flag in this one. Yuri Slavkovsky was his first big one. This is his first trade where we look at this and go, okay, there's not universal acclaim for this. I have to wait and see how it plays out. I'm not totally sold, but I don't think it's the end of the world. And after a little bit of... Um, 
sorting through my feelings and looking at like the actual hard numbers, I'm a little bit more at ease about it all now. I think the thing, the big question here, or the big uh, sticking point here is Jeff Petrie has not always been accurately valued in this market. There were many, many years where what he brought to the team was not obvious. Most of it was in the underlying stats, and a lot of fans wanted Jeff Petrie traded. But now that he's been traded, you can't then turn around and say that the return is not good enough. Now, I know that Ryan, Ryan Paling was included in this deal, but let's take a look at where Ryan Paling was going to go on this team. The Canadians already have... Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, and Jake Evans already, right? Ryan Paling at best was Christian going to Dvorak. be the fourth line center. I know I was getting to that. <laughs> One second. Jake Evans at best was going to be the third line center. He's a fantastic fourth line center, great third line center. Now they also have Christian Dvorak, who we all assumed was going to be traded and might still be traded, particularly at the deadline. But right now they have four centers already and all of them are good at their positions that we know of, right? There's a a great thread on Kirby Dak's potential for growth. And we're going to talk about him in up, upcoming episodes. I don't want to dwell too much on that because right now we're talking about the Jeff Petrie return. Ryan Paling was just, you know, it took him too long to earn a spot on the Montreal Canadiens out of Laval. And if you looked at the future, it just wasn't there. So now is a good time to put him in for a sweetener for that Jeff Petrie cap hit. What I think is like the reason that I think this was unnecessary is because Jeff Petrie in his own right was enough. I look at the age, I look at the contract, and then I see a need for the sweetener. But to, to me, like Jeff Petrie would have been worth it on his own. Let's talk about Mike Matheson for a second. Like, like you pointed out, right? Like it didn't seem all that great at the beginning, but then when you look at those underlying stats, when you look at the things that he was good at, he's going to be able to sort of, they don't play the exact same game or style, but like, if you look at what he's going to bring, he's going to be able to replace some of the Jeff Petrie minutes, Jeff Petrie, ideal minutes, not when he was trying to play as number one defenseman, Jeff Petrie, ideal second pairing minutes, right? He's going to be able to do a lot of that stuff. And he's much cheaper and much younger, right? This gave them a little bit of cap flexibility to sign Rem Pitlick. There's still, like, particularly Kirby Doc needs to be re-signed. There's still some people the Canadians need to re-sign during this offseason. So shipping out Jeff Petrie's cap hit, particularly because he didn't... It's not that he didn't want to be here. It's that there were family issues that made it better for him to be in the U.S. Like... I feel like this is one of those where everybody wins because Ryan Paling gets a chance now um, to really, really show his worth on a team that is still in that window where they can still make the playoffs, um, you know, and and Jeff Petrie is going to be very serviceable defenseman in Pittsburgh, I think. Um, he's going to be playing behind Chris Letang, so that's a key aspect of this. So I think it works out for them. The Canadians, maybe you wanted more than Mike Matheson in a fourth rounder, but you got a guy who went in the first round, right? Like you're saying, I want a first round pick. You got a first round pick. It's just that he's in the NHL right now. Um, I don't, I like, I want to reserve judgment to see how Mike Matheson does without, I, I believe his most common um, defensive partner was Chad Riedel in, 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 um, in Pittsburgh. So I want to see how he does with the Canadians, whoever they're going to play with him, right? Like there's, there's a bunch <laughs> of people that we don't even know who's going to make the team out of camp, right? On the back end. So we want to see what that looks like. I, I will withhold judgment to see, you know, to give him a little bit of time with the team, with like ev all the new faces coming in with, uh, with Marty St. Louis and the defensive coach that they still haven't hired yet. So I, I, I was underwhelmed, right? Everybody was like calling it as a clear loss for, 
uh, Kent Hughes. And I don't think that anymore. Like I was just, I was like, I need, I need someone to make me feel better. I need someone. And then I'm thinking about this and they needed that cap space. And you know what? They might be able to pull that kind of performance out of Matheson in Montreal that they got in Pittsburgh. So I'm not too, too underwhelmed with this return because if you're the kind of person that has wanted Jeff Pedry traded for seven out of the eight years that he's been here, and then now you're saying that this isn't a good enough return. I just, I want to know what exactly you wanted from him and from Kent Hughes. Like as, as somebody, you know, on this podcast, we've been quite positive on Jeff Petrie. We were critical of him when he wasn't playing well. I think that I like, I, I'm not disappointed yet. It does seem underwhelming, but I want to give it some time. And one of the things that, that, this enabled the Canadians to do was to sign Rem Pitlick. And we're going to talk about that in just one moment. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball and everything that goes on in the NHL offseason this year. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online is where the game starts. And before we get into our segment, which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting on July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Now, I know we're a hockey podcast, but I know that a lot of our listeners are really big on their football teams. So that's definitely worth checking out. Locked On NFL starting today, July 18th. All right, Scott. Let's talk about Rem Pitlick. We were all panicking when, or I wasn't panicking, but we were disappointed <laughs> when uh, he was not extended a qualifying offer from the Montreal Canadiens. It sort of gave people the impression that the Canadians didn't want him back, but in fact they did. They just didn't want him back at the qualifying offer price. And the thing about it is, is that if he elected for arbitration coming off the season, he did. Uh, homeboy was going to get paid and the Canadians cannot afford to pay Rem Pitlick more than what they really did for this two years at 1.1 per is a really good deal for a guy who I think is what a modern bottom six forward should be. And the issue is now is the Canadians have 7 million wingers and four four centers right now. We're going to call it four centers plus whoever's in the AHL and whoever else they sign and I look at this and I go, something's got to give because you have Raphael Harvey Pinard who's knocking on the door. You have Jesse Alonen who's knocking on the door. You have pieces that are knocking on the door. Like Slavkovsky wants to make this team. There's a lot of wingers here, so something has to give at some point. And yes, Paul Byron will likely start the season on IR because he's not ready. But out of everyone, bringing Pitlick back is fine. If you have a fourth line that's Jake Evans, Rem Pitlick, and someone like Raphael Harvey-Pinard or uh, whomever they choose to fit in there, that's fine because there's skill and pace to that. It's not, all due respect to current Philadelphia Flyer Nick Delorier, it's not that old school grinding, overly tough fourth line. 
that they can score and play transitionally. And I think that's important. This is where I get a little iffy about trading Ryan Paling, though, is that their center depth now beyond Jake Evans is uh, Mitchell Stevens, who is not full-time lockdown in NHL spot. And I don't think Palin getting traded is a, uh, makes him a bust. I just think he is what he is. And that's a fourth line player. That was roughly what he was likely to be when he was drafted, but this is about Rem Pitlick and I'm glad he's back. I think there's a lot of fun there. His speed alone makes him an asset to this team. And it's $1.1 million. Laura sent me a tweet earlier about the cap space that the Canadians have gotten under Kent Hughes before uh, signing, obviously Rem Pitlick here. And it's increasing. There's likely another move still in the pipeline this week. We don't know for who or what or what's going on. But there's still more money going out right now. And I think the Canadians are in a good spot. And Pitlick wasn't high on my priority list, all things considered, with Dodonov here and everyone else. But I I think that there's a lot that's about to happen soon. I wouldn't be shocked if the Kirby Doc contract gets done uh, during this week at some point. Yeah, and I want to point out as well, on Friday we said that we were going to talk about more of the discussion points in our raised in our mailbag today, but obviously there was news, so we're going to move that to our Tuesday episode, and one of the additional mailbag questions we got asked is about the logjam at Forward, so we will kind of take a look at that in tomorrow's episode, because there's a lot there. So I just want to mention, though, with Rem Pitlick, is that he had a career season, right? Not only that... He was shooting at an unsustainable percentage and he's got some defensive issues. So he's a player with some flaws. Like had he gone to arbitration, we would have seen a lot more money given. So I think that this is a no hard feelings thing. And many, many teams did the same thing, right? They did not extend qualifying offers to their teams because uh, to their players because they're just up against the cap and they're hoping that all of these guys can be negotiated at a below qualifying offer rate. Um, And that has happened. It's not unheard of. It's just one of those things where at this point you have to be really smart about cap management. And unfortunately, the RFAs are the ones that are kind of at a disadvantage. I just want to also mention about Pierre-Luc Dubois because we're hearing a lot of rumblings about that. And I wanted to kind of talk about where we are at at, at the point that we are currently recording recording this episode, we're going to be following this story. Now, I don't put too much stock in rumors, but there was a very, very, very compelling article in The Athletic by Morat of, of uh, the Morat Atesh of uh, The Athletic Winnipeg and Arpan Basu of The Athletic Montreal. And, you know, they had a really, really good breakdown of the events that led people to believe, including Pierre-Luc Dubois himself, that there was going to be a trade. He does not seem necessarily happy in Winnipeg. He wants out and he and his agent keep flirting with Montreal. And I don't necessarily think that this is one of those things where, you know, historically it was always like a person's negotiations was always down to Montreal and one other team. And you're using the word Montreal to drive up the price for your, for your free agent. It like, it looks like Pierre-Luc Dubois is just not happy in Winnipeg. We don't have confirmation that that was, you know, Really, like that's that's the player that Kent Hughes is after. But it does kind of make sense if you got rid of Ryan Paling that, you know, now there's room. <laughs> um, and so, Scott, I, what are your thoughts about the fact that he has elected not to go for arbitration? I think that all the Jets fans who are saying they're going to get Nick Suzuki for Pierre-Luc Dubois are completely wrong at this point. You have no leverage in this I situation. I want what they're having. I, I mean, it is legal in most of, across Canada. So like, I assume it's somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> I He doesn't want to be there. 
He didn't elect for arbitration. It's going to get ugly. This is a holdout now. This is no longer, I want to make something happen here and sign a new deal. This is a holdout between the two sides, which in and of itself means the Jets are not in a position here to really do much. Dubois allegedly doesn't want to be there. And we haven't seen him do like what he did when he was in Columbus and he wanted out where he barely tried and then left. And I get people have their reservations. And I don't know if the Habs are going to be any different in a few years he changes his mind or what. My whole thought on this is that if it's going to happen, it's going to be soon. Because not electing for arbitration is basically planting your flag in the ground, which is the second time I've used that today, and going, make what I want happen happen for this. I love Pierre-Luc Dubois here. I assume that means Christian Dvorak is going the other way or in some trade, and you have a top three then of Suzuki, Dubois, Doc, and then Jake Evans is your fourth-line center, and it's it's tantalizing. I just do not know what this trade is going to look like. I don't think the Jets are dealing from a position of strength, and I also think Ken Hughes is still going to have to give up something of decent value to make yeah. this work. So. Yeah. That's the thing. It's that, yes, it's true that the Winnipeg Jets have less leverage due, the, due to the fact that right now uh, PLD looks like he's holding out. Um, and again, there's no guarantee that Montreal is the destination, right? We are all talking about this because he's a local boy and all of that. I also know because of all of our listeners that I've been going back and forth with and talking to and even just reading the comments, the opinion on Pierre-Luc Dubois' very split. Some people think that he's truly an answer for this team. And some people are just unimpressed with what he's done. Some people don't like the fact that, you know, we we're talking about how he didn't try in Columbus because he wanted out. He was unhappy, all of that. And the thing about the Winnipeg Jets right now is that we don't really know what's going on in that dressing room. We don't really know what his dissatisfaction is, right? There was a coaching change. He's still not happy. So we don't know what the deal is. And is it, if, is it really just the fact that he wants to play in particular places and not Winnipeg? Or is it just that he wants out of Winnipeg at all, like at all costs, right? So the reason that we're talking about this right now is because it keeps coming up and because there was a literal story from well-respected reporters on a well-respected publication that, you know, that brought some of the facts to light. The reporting was really good and thorough. So, you know, it's no longer just one of those things where it's it's rumor mongers, uh, you know, nameless rumor mongers. So we did want to address it. And we did want to talk about it a little bit because also it is, you know, related to the Montreal Canadiens and, until he signed somewhere else or in Winnipeg. Um, but we will keep following this story and we will keep talking about it. And I think, uh, you know, at, at some point soon, we'll we'll take a closer look at his game. We've got so much content planned for you. <laughs> we, you know, we're going down to three days a week and it's like, we have so much stuff. We were going to talk to a U.S. scout about Lane, uh, Lane Hudson because we got a mailback question about it. I was like, why don't we just do an episode on, you know, his strengths and his weaknesses and we'll talk to somebody who knows the U.S. prospects really well. We're going to talk to a lot of our favorite comment uh people in in the Habs commentary milieu uh we got a lot of good suggestions on our twitter account as to who to invite and we're going to start you know extending invitations to all of those people so there's a ton of Habs related content and interviews and you know prospect experts and and just just analytics experts and and all kinds of stuff coming up uh in you know coming we still have to invite you know the Habs on reddit you know that this was something that we talked about <laughs> back in like march and we still haven't invited them so it's going to be like quite a season of or, or an off season of content, even though our episodes are decreasing in frequency, our content is going to be, you know, it's going to still be 
A lot. And in our last segment today, what we're going to talk about uh, is Laval. Uh, Scott has some thoughts. Uh, some people have been brought back and a couple of goalie indications are, are sort of making themselves known. And all that's coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. All right, Scott, the Canadians and the Rocket have been busy. We've got the return of some faces and we've got potentially a change in the goaltending picture. So uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Gabriel Bork is back in the organization on a one-year AHL deal. He's likely going to be him and Alex Belzeal, I think, are likely to fight over who gets to wear the C for the Rocket this season. There's Iden leaning towards Belzeal just on his term with the team there. Uh, but Bork's a really solid guy that they can throw around the lineup. He's a veteran, scored some real big goals for the team in the playoffs, including the overtime winner against Syracuse to win the series. Uh, not going to put up a ton of points, but he's a solid guy, obviously a leader in that room. There's going to be a lot of younger guys coming through there. He's a good mentor, and I'm glad to see him back. Donic Martel's back. Obviously, Belzeal's back. Peter Abandonado is back. And then Anthony Richard and some of these other players they've added, they've managed to keep a pretty uh, strong lineup they kind of rebranded it basically a little bit off of there, but what caught my eye most today is that Caden Primo is obviously the starting goalie for the rocket as of right now, because we do not know what's going on in the NHL. I am operating under the assumption that Carey price will be ready to play next season, which means Carey price and Jake Allen are your one, a one B in Montreal. That leaves Caden Primo in the Laval with the rocket and Samuel Montembeau, who did not elect for arbitration as well. And I think the plan is, and I'm going to get uh, just kind of put on my thinking cap here, Montembeau is going to get re-signed cheap. They're going to uh, keep him around throughout the preseason. If Price is ready, Samuel Montembeau goes on waivers. He goes to the AHL if he clears, which I imagine he would. And you have Primo Montembeau in the AHL, which feels a very strong tandem. And you can call Montembeau up as needed. You don't got to worry about it. If Price isn't ready, Samuel Montembeau can go into the NHL surprisingly last year i learned he had a 913 save percentage at five on five and the penalty kill basically tanked everything else which anyone who watched the canadians try to kill penalties last year makes sense but to get to the main point of where laura was trying to direct this before i just kind of goalie brain vomited on this podcast the rocket announced two signings today two ahl contracts one for philippe de rosier and one for joe verbatic Verbatic is obviously a draft pick of the Montreal Canadiens. He's six foot six, and you can't teach that. He's gigantic in net. He played for the OHL's North Bay Battalion. They were not very good, so he was hung out to dry a lot. He had a really strong year this year. He'll turn 20 before I think the cutoff date is, so he is able to play professional hockey, but he is not due to be given an ELC like other players might be, so the Canadians can give him a trial year. And then DeRosier was a Jets prospect. And before that, he was actually, I believe, a whoever Springfield's previous affiliate was because he played with Samuel Montembeau in Springfield with the Thunderbirds and actually took Montembeau's job at that time and got Montembeau sent out of town. But those are likely your two starting goalies for the Lions in the ECHL for the time being. And then I imagine DeRosier will be the top call-up to Laval to help with Caden Primo. He has AHL experience, plenty of it. Verbatic is the rookie. Let him take his lumps in the ECHL and see what you've got here. But the goalie pipeline makes sense now, and that doesn't include Dobish and the NCAA. 
show playing with Forlunda in the SHL and uh, Emmett Cruteau, who is, I believe, going to Clarkson this upcoming season. It's a nice thing to see. It's been a while. Primo's been the Canadians goaltending prospect. We haven't had one in a while. I, I, I don't want to do the math, but it's been a while since we've actually had a legitimate goalie prospect, I think, in the AHL, and that's Caden Primo. So it's a nice thing to see. They're restocking the AHL. The NHL movement has been quiet, but watching what Hughes and Gorton have done with the AHL, they've made it a priority after their playoff run to make sure the Rocket continue to build a winning culture. So when those young guys get there, they're walking into a situation that isn't a toxic mess. The expectations are we work hard, we win games, and we celebrate, and everybody has a good time. And I think that's important. They're building a winning culture and building that on the way up, I think. And I'm I'm happy to see it, honestly. I could not agree more. And the future does seem to be bright. I, one of the things that I want to do is bring back Dylan Wan, talk to some more goalie experts, because one of the things that uh, we've noticed is that projecting goalie performances and ceilings and all of that is, is kind of an inexact science, right? You can kind of establish greatness when you are Carey Price, for example, um, or your Andre Vasilevsky or the up-and-comers, but who could have seen, you know, um, what's the guy's name in, in, in Dallas, Jake? Uh, Ottinger. Ottinger, um, you know, uh, Igor Shosturkin, all those guys. So, like, I, I do want to spend a little bit of time in the offseason talking about goaltending. But, you know, there's still plenty of news coming. There's still plenty of content coming. So, please check out Locked On Canadians and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Um, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Please feel free to email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can leave questions, uh, suggestions on Twitter. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments. You can email us um, and also be nice to each other in the YouTube comments because if I see you being mean to anybody, I will delete you. Um, and in the meantime, check out Locked On NHL where they're also covering all the NHL offseason. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time.